Good morning. It's Thursday, October 15th. I'm Shamita Basu. And I'm Duarte Geraldino. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. Amy Coney Barrett already has something in common with the other conservative justices on the court, including fellow Trump nominees Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. They all have ties to the Federalist Society, an organization that advocates for interpreting the law as it was written. Did you know of the nearly 200 federal court judges Trump has appointed, nearly every single one has a connection to the Federalist Society? That's where we begin today, with a look at the group that's played such an outsized role in shaping the U.S. judiciary. The Federalist Society has been around for decades. Conservative intellectuals founded the group in 1982. By the way, one of the founding members was the late Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. The New Yorker describes its founders as scrappy outsiders trying to push back against what they saw as pervasive liberalism at America's law schools. Their mission in the beginning was to identify students who share their conservative philosophy, provide them with a network of connections both in and out of government, and then help them find jobs where they could make an impact on judicial and legal policy. And in recent years, Republican presidents have really come to rely on the Federalist Society to flag and vet judicial nominees to federal courts. Emma Green at The Atlantic recently wrote about how Barrett's nomination was a triumph for the conservative legal movement. She spoke to one Yale law professor who says the Federalist Society established a, quote, conveyor belt of bright, qualified conservative judges, meaning every time a judicial seat opens up, the Federalist Society has someone ready to fill the spot, someone who they believe is not only qualified, but can also apply conservative judicial philosophy and focus on policies that promote issues like less business regulation, skepticism of abortion rights, checking organized labor, and ensuring a more wide-ranging view of religious freedom. Barrett is one of the judges on that conveyor belt, someone who Green calls a luminary of the conservative legal movement. And there's a man who's often credited with not just her nomination, but the nominations of hundreds of other conservative federal judges, and that is Leonard Leo. He's the executive vice president of the Federalist Society. He's advised previous Republican presidents on judges, and he led the effort to help draft a shortlist of possible Supreme Court nominees for the Trump administration. He was profiled in The New Yorker after Justice Gorsuch was confirmed. And at that time, he said that the Federalist Society is not just a club, it's a movement. Two coronavirus vaccine trials paused this week. And while that may put you on edge, scientists say this is normal for clinical trials. And it also shows that the studies are working. That's right. Johnson & Johnson put a pause on its clinical trial for a one-shot COVID-19 vaccine. It started late-stage clinical trials at the end of September with up to 60,000 participants. The pharmaceutical company says it paused the trial because one person developed a, quote, unexplained illness. The other paused trial was for Eli Lilly's monoclonal antibody drug. Now, it's an experimental treatment for COVID-19. An independent board monitoring the trial safety decided to pause it, though it's unclear exactly why they did this. Right. So here's why all this talk about pauses shouldn't make you too worried. Adrian Hernandez, who's a cardiologist and director of the Duke Clinical Research Institute, writes in the medical news site STAT that this shows the system is working. 
Even with researchers working as fast as they can to get therapies to market as soon as possible, the bar is set really high to make sure these therapies are effective and safe before millions of people get this treatment. Dr. Hernandez writes the clinical trial system was designed to put on the brakes when needed and give the green light when appropriate. And BuzzFeed News explains clinical trial pauses are fairly common, particularly in large-scale studies. Mm-hmm. AstraZeneca twice paused its vaccine clinical trial. It did this to understand why some participants developed severe illnesses. One patient was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, which was not related to the vaccine. The other patient developed symptoms linked to traverse myelitis, which is a serious and rare neurological disorder that could be caused by the vaccines, but could also be the result of a viral infection. And to be doubly clear, this is the point of these trials. And just so that you know, AstraZeneca's trial is still on pause in the United States, but it's up and running in several other countries, including the UK and in Brazil. COVID numbers come at you daily. In the U.S., 215,000 dead, nearly 8 million infected. But all of us are being impacted by this virus in unique, surprising, and life-changing ways. That's why the Washington Post series, Voices from the Pandemic, is so compelling to read. During this crisis, its reporters have been collecting first-person accounts from people affected by the virus. This week's story features Tony Green. Tony lives in Texas, and he identifies as both gay and conservative. He says when the pandemic started, he called it the scamdemic. He was still following lockdown rules, but he really thought it was a hoax. He thought it was overblown by the media. And he made fun of people who wore masks. Then when summer came around and Texas started to relax some of its rules, he planned a family gathering, a small one, just his parents and his partner's parents. He tells the Washington Post they hadn't seen each other in a really long time, and that gathering felt needed. So his parents and his in-laws came and stayed for the weekend. They all agreed not to worry about social distancing. Tony says it was really nice. They cooked meals, caught up, watched movies, went to the lake. Then on Sunday, Tony says he woke up feeling off. He was achy, but he thought he was just exhausted. Then his partner started to feel bad. So did his parents. His father-in-law got sick the next day. All six of them got COVID-19. And Tony says the virus kept spreading to the rest of his family, from six people to nine people to 14. He ended up in the hospital. The virus attacked his nervous system. But he did get better, and in three days, he got out. His father-in-law's mother, she died. And then his father-in-law, who he says was his best friend, he died too. Tony says it was so sudden. It was like the world just swallowed him up. It's not clear who brought the virus to Tony's get-together, but he blames himself for what happened. He says the virus is tearing up his family. Grief hits him in waves. He can't help but wonder how many people would never have gotten sick if he hadn't hosted that weekend get-together in the first place. And this first-person story, like many of the others in the Washington Post series, is gutting to read. But it shows how deeply the virus is impacting one family and changing our culture. We'll link to this one and the full series in our show notes page. (music) 
Finally, if you decide to vote in person this year, keep in mind the path to the polls is not a runway. Don't be making a political fashion statement. (laughs) Yeah. Did you know that in many states, wearing clothes or buttons or hats or anything that has political messaging on it when you show up at the polls is not allowed? Now, it depends on your state's rules. But as CNN explains, the rationale behind these rules is that polling places should be free of politicking so that voters can cast ballots without outside influence. And in some states like Michigan, displaying support for a candidate within 100 feet of a polling place is a misdemeanor. So before you head to the polls, just make sure you know what not to wear. CNN does have a guide for you. Or you can be like Duarte and just wear a white t-shirt every day. White t-shirt, same thing. (laughs) (laughs) You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. We'll talk with you again tomorrow. Tomorrow. 